0: Well, I recently turned 39, and that is dangerously close to 40, and I know what you're thinking, yes, yes, I'm old. Uh, there's something interesting, though, about being uh, right around 40 years old. I have many friends who are in their 20s and 30s, uh, and for the first time, I have good friends, close friends, who are who are in their 50s, who are empty nesters, who are grandparents. And so I have friends who are having kids for the first time, and I have uh, friends who are gearing up to be grandparents for the first time. I called one of my friends the other day, and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? and he said, "Oh, nothing, just having a fight with my college daughter." And I said, "Oh, I know. I know exactly how you feel. I just got done coloring with Zion, my 6-year-old for 30 minutes. And so we we're laughing uh, just about the differences of life stages and and parenting and he was making fun of me cuz all my conflicts and things that are happening in my family with my kids just seem a little easier right now. And we we're laughing and joking about that and he said, "Hey, I want you to hear me say this though." And uh he said, I want to raise competent, mature adults. And, and he said this. It made me stop in my tracks. I'll never forget this. He said, as a parent, I want my kids to have knowledge and power, but I don't just want them to have those things. I want them to know how to use that knowledge and power. He said, my job is not just to give them the tools, but to teach them how to use those tools. It's week three in our series in the book of Romans, uh, we, we do a book study, uh, usually a couple times a year because we want, uh, the people who attend movement church, who call movement church home to know uh, how to study the Bible as God gave it to us in 66 smaller books. We want you to know the context and we want you to spend some time in this book. And so I hope, uh, maybe this week, if you do your personal devotions, if you get to read, I hope you'll spend some time reading the book of Romans. Maybe you can listen to it, uh, on the audio Bible on an app as you drive to work but we want you to learn and be uh, to be taught uh, by the message of Romans. Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church in Rome. He wrote this book uh, to to help anchor them in the gospel. He didn't just want them to have a, a knowledge of the gospel, but he wanted to push them to a depth in their knowledge that would result in obedience. And holiness. And so, uh, these last couple weeks, we've talked about the setup of Romans, chapters one, two, three, and four helped us learn that everyone is under sin. Moral people, religious people, uh, everyone is under sin and affected by sin. But, uh, last week we talked about this truth. Because of what Jesus has done, our faith in Jesus brings us joy. And so most of us know that life is always a roller coaster. We know that we're lost in sin, but Jesus saves us and brings us joy. And out of that, we have uh, the, the job, the task to walk with Jesus, to live day to day with him. And that's where struggle can come into the mix. The struggle that we live is the tension between living for God and not wanting to be owned or to give in to sin. So God is our heavenly Father. He desires for us to live life, to grow, and to reach maturity like any parent would. And so today, we want to talk about the tools that God has given us to be successful in our war with sin and in living for God. I want to read a passage to us today. You can turn there. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 in the New Living Translation, it says this. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live and do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves of righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As we live for God, as we surrender our lives to Jesus and we walk after him, we live in this tension of what it looks like to to deal with sin, to live with sin, to live in the tension of sin. And so today I want to just point out of this passage for us four ways to avoid being controlled by sin. We will never be able to eliminate sin or the temptation of sin or the tension of sin in our lives, but we can avoid being controlled by it. And this passage here, Romans 6, verses 12 to 23, kind of gives us a roadmap. Verse 12 said, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. First way that we can avoid being controlled by sin, don't let your body be an instrument of sin. I know that seems so simple and so practical. Oh, you don't want to sin? Just don't let your body be an instrument of sin. And yet that is what God tells us in his word here. He says, don't give in to sinful desires. And he tells us to guard every part of our body. We need to guard our minds. Our minds control our mental health. We're told in scripture to take every thought that we have captive and to filter it through God's word, to filter it through truth, to filter it through wisdom, and to filter it through the gospel. We don't just have to guard our our bodies. We don't just have to guard our minds. We have to guard our tongues. They say that the things that you speak will come to fruition in your life. When you speak, you're controlling your mind and predicting where your body and your heart will go. And so we have to control our tongues. We have to control our sex drive. We have to control our hands and feet. We have to control our our free time. There are so many ways that our mind and our body and the parts of our bodies can drag us into sin, can pull us into sin. And Romans 6 is very clear that if we want to avoid being controlled by sin, we can't let any part of our body be an instrument of sin. Yes, sometimes we are lost, we are captivated, we are enticed by sin. But this passage is saying, We can make a decision. We can willfully say, I'm not going to let my body drag me into sin or or contribute to sin. This passage goes on to say, instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead but now you have new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The first thing we said, four ways to avoid being controlled by sin. Don't let your body be an instrument of sin. The second one here that you can write down off those verses. Use your body as an instrument for the glory of God. Sometimes we think that we just need to control our bodies. We just need to hold every emotion and every action in and make sure that we don't screw up. But God has given us our bodies. God has given us our mind. God has given us our desires. And one of the best ways that we can fight sin, one of the best ways that we can be on the offense against sin is to actually go and do things that glorify God, to go and do ministry. Use your body as an instrument for the glory of God. In the same way that we have to guard our hands and feet, that we have to guard our free time. We already talked about that. You can use your free time. You can use your hands and feet and you can go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so remember that you're forgiven. Remember that you don't have to be defined by guilt. Remember that Jesus has wiped your slate clean when you surrender your life to him and, and, and ask for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember that you're alive. You're guilt free. You're forgiven. And change the way that you function, change your outlook. How would a free person act? How would a person who has no guilt act? How would someone who has the joy of faith act? They would pay that forward. They would go and live thinking of other people. They would serve other people. They would they would do tasks and things to glorify God. What can you do today in the life of someone else to glorify God? You've been given a body, you've been given free time, you've been given a mind, you've been given a heart, you've been given emotions. Use them to glorify God. It's the best way that you can avoid being controlled by sin. Don't let your body be an instrument of sin. Use your body as an instrument for the glory of God. Verse 15 says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slave your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living." Number three here, I wanna just have you write down, remember you become owned by whatever you choose to obey. Remember that you become owned by whatever you choose to obey. It's very clear in verse 16, you can be a slave to sin or a servant to God. Whatever you are walking toward, whatever you are obeying, you're going to be owned by that thing. And there are people, many people, who are owned by their sin, who are slaves to sin. And yet there are others who are saying, I want to be obedient to God. I want to pursue God. I want to glorify God with my body. I want to please God. And so they become captivated, motivated, and in a positive way, enslaved to following God and running after God. You're going to be a slave to sin or a servant to God. The choice is up to you. Don't be deceived by grace. See, some of us know this concept of grace. We say, oh, Jesus came and died for my sins. He erased my sins. That means I can do whatever I want. I know there's a lot of people that think, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to live my life. And right before I die, I'll say, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. But when we understand grace, when we comprehend grace, when we fathom grace, and when we're grateful for grace, we should not use it as an excuse or something to enable us. No, the grace of God is not an excuse to keep on sinning. Grace should inspire us. We should be grateful for grace. We should be motivated by grace. And grace should call us into a life of service, a life that glorifies God, a life that's not controlled by sin. I think I've shared this before. My parents were very generous and had a very uh, well-oiled machine, a system that me and my brothers had to work hard in college. And they helped us get through that and come out of college debt-free. It wasn't because we were made of money, but it was, it was because of the sacrifice and hard work of my parents, now, I could look at that and I could say, cool, I don't have any college debt. Some of my friends are paying a $1,000 a month for loans. I guess I'll spend that money. I'll go on vacations. I'll I'll go and buy a boat. I'll go and buy a motorcycle. And I don't mean to say that a boat or a motorcycle or a vacation is bad. But instead, what I do with the money that has been freed up by my loans, I'm putting some of that money aside because my parents paid my tab I want my kids to know what it's like to get out of college and be debt-free. I want to free up their lives to own homes and to bless someday the the grandkids that I will have. Because my parents helped pay for school, I want to pay that forward in my kids' lives. Just because Jesus has paid for our sins doesn't mean that we we can eat, drink, and be merry and waste that opportunity. No, there are people who are owned by sin. There are people who are enslaved by sin, lost to sin, trapped in sin, and defined by the cycle of sin. But we are not those people. When you understand what God has done, when you understand grace, you can be compelled to live for him, to be an instrument for his glory. Remember that you become owned by whatever you choose to obey. And you're not obligated to be obedient to sin. You're not obligated to to follow the path of sin. You are freed from that because of the grace of God. And so you can be internally motivated and inspired to be with Jesus, to know Jesus, and to live like Jesus. Something is going to own you. Choose your side. The the word that, that we're taught in Scripture, the truth of God's word, we're told, can change us wholeheartedly. Verse 17 tells us that we can be changed Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. When we are focused on truth, when we are surrendered to truth, when we are building our minds and our lives on truth, it will change our heart and it will change our lives. It will wholeheartedly change who we are. And so we need to know who we want to serve, know who we want to surrender to, and then run toward Jesus, run toward truth with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our lives. Whatever you rely on is your Lord. And whatever you live for and hope for is your Lord. The thing that you run to when everything else fails you is your Lord. And so we have to know, is sin in our previous life our Lord? Or is the love and relationship and hope of salvation in Jesus our Lord? And we need to run toward him. Verse 22 says this, But now you are free from the power of sin. And have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're always going to be tempted by sin. We're always going to have sin as an option. Satan wants to control us, and sin wants to control us, and yet in Christ we can do these things. We can say, I'm not gonna let my body be an instrument of sin. We can say, I'm gonna use my body as an instrument for the glory of God. And we can remember that we don't wanna be owned by sin. We want to be owned by salvation and we can choose to obey. Here's the fourth thing you can know from verse 23. Remember that the price of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful, simple, popular verse And yet it's something that has to be a foundational level in our lives and in our hearts. I mentioned last week that we should preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We have to teach the gospel and remind ourselves of the gospel every day because it's the foundation of who we are and who we are in Christ. Left to our own devices, we're walking towards sin. We're choosing our own way and our own way leads to death because our own way takes us away from God's way. And if God is life, the opposite of life is death. Sin leads us to death, but walking with Jesus is life. And when we choose to walk with Jesus, when we choose to surrender our life to him, have him come into our life, remove our sins, and we say, Jesus, I'm following you, we can have a relationship with him. Scripture tells us that we are a new creation because of what Jesus did. But I love this quote. A quote by J.C. that says, since Satan cannot destroy the gospel, he often has to neutralize its usefulness by addition, subtraction, or substitution. Here's something that this passage is trying to tell us today. Sin is real. Don't deny the existence of sin. Don't think that you're above sin. Don't think that you're not capable of sin. There are people who think like, oh, I'm not a sinner. That doesn't apply to me. No, you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. And yet... We don't have to be owned by sin. We don't have to live in the guilt of sin. We don't have to live of the guilt of the law. We are free. We can be made free because of what Jesus did. But sometimes people think, oh, cool, I'm free because of what Jesus did. I'm just going to rest on my laurels. I'm going to hang out. No, 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 no. This passage is saying, don't deny that sin exists, but don't live guilty because Jesus has paid the price. And now that you know those things, don't be lazy. Get to work. Don't deny sin, don't live guilty, don't be lazy. You and I get to live our lives. We get to run from sin, we get to run with Jesus. We get to say, my body's not gonna be used or controlled by sin, I'm going to glorify God. And we get to choose what way we want our life to go. We get to choose who we're going to serve, who we're going to be motivated by, who we're going to want to run after. Here's our big idea for this week, it's this. Jesus gives us the knowledge and power To not be controlled by sin. Jesus gives us the knowledge and power to not be controlled by sin. Maybe you're thinking, well, no, I'm I'm okay. I'm not controlled by sin. I'm not owned by sin. I'm a pretty good person. In fact, sometimes I try really hard and do some pretty good stuff. So don't give me the guilt and the baggage of your religion. I don't want all that. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we think back on our lives, we think back on our motives we look at our hearts and we look at the world around us and the people around us, we can say that we're lost in sin. We're defeated in sin. And there are many, many moments that we are overcome by sin in our lives. When we're honest with ourselves, we know that we need something. We know that we're not enough and what we're trying to do is not working. The something that we need is Jesus. We were created to be in relationship with God and Jesus offers us a way out of our lives of sin. Jesus offers us life. He also offers us relationship. He offers us hope. Anyone who's walked with Jesus for more than a week knows that there's ups and downs, and ups and downs, and even when we surrender to Jesus, we're still tempted by sin and there's still temptation. This passage doesn't hide that. The book of Romans doesn't hide that. It's a sobering book. I feel like every week I'm saying like, hey, you're a terrible person and I'm a terrible person too. And if the story ended there, it'd be sad, but there's there's truth and there's hope in Jesus. We're gonna struggle and we're gonna fall back into sin, but through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, we have a path out of sin, we have relief, we have hope, we have life, We have a treatment plan. God gives us the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to live life with us when we surrender our life to Jesus and we're attacked and we're tempted and we mess up, but we are never again overtaken by sin or controlled by sin. We cannot lose our salvation and Jesus is telling us, here is the knowledge and here is the power, walk with me and do not be controlled by sin. Maybe you're saying, Mark, uh, are you saying that we as humans, lost sinful humans, have the power to overcome sin and overcome its control in our lives and our minds and our hearts? I'm not saying that, that you can do that. But I'm saying that through Jesus, in Jesus, with his help, by surrendering your life and living in partnership with him, you can overcome the control of sin. You're not enough but you find power and strength and hope in saying, Jesus, I'm not enough, but you are and your sacrifice is. Come into my life, come into my heart. There will be moments when you feel like you've messed up, when you've gone too far, when you've sinned too much, when you can't be saved anymore, when you can't be redeemed, when you aren't worthy of even having a relationship with God or talking to God. And Satan will try to use those moments of guilt in your life and in your heart. He'll get you to sin once and then sin again and sin again and sin again. And he'll say, you can't go back to God. You can't go back to God. But I want you to hear something that we talked about on Easter. No matter how lost you are, no matter how lost you feel, your heavenly father is always waiting to welcome you home. Jesus loves you. He is crazy about you. And he gave his life for your sin. He's not living in denial that you're a sinner, but he gave his life even while you were sinning, even while we're sinners, Christ died for us. And so what does it look like to follow Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus? Well, first you have to admit that you're not enough, admit that you're lost. You have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that Jesus is enough and that what he gave his life, that sacrifice is enough to pay the price of your sin that separates you from God. You have to confess those things with your mouth and commit to live your life for Jesus. It doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean that you won't mess up. But it means that you are forgiven, you are saved, and you are a new person. You have new life in Jesus. I think the average Christian looks at the gospel, or looks at the anchor and foundation of the gospel, and they try to do their best. They try to live life, but they mess up and they're paralyzed by sin. How many times this week have you thought, oh, here we go again? I messed up. I'm a terrible husband, I'm a terrible father. I'm a terrible employee. I'm a terrible son. I'm a terrible friend. I'm a terrible person. God doesn't even want to talk to me. God can't look at me. I have no business having a relationship with God. When we sin and when we mess up, we feel bad. And so we sin one more time and then sin another time. And we feel unloved by God. And we think that God can't use us. And that is not the truth. The gospel and the knowledge and the power of the gospel should fuel us, should, should power us. When I was little, there was a cartoon called Popeye. I know some of you might be too young and cool for Popeye, but Popeye would always pick fights. He's always, he'd always get in trouble. And whenever he got in trouble, he, he'd pop open a can of spinach and he'd pour that thing down. And spinach made him pop, made his muscles pop. He was a huge, buff, strong guy. That was his fuel. That was his power. It didn't mean that Popeye wasn't in trouble. It didn't mean that someone wasn't going to try to rough him up or beat him up, but it, but it meant that when he had spinach... He had power and he was untouchable. The gospel should be our fuel like that. It doesn't mean that life isn't still gonna get us down. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna mess up. It doesn't mean that sin isn't real and it doesn't mean there aren't gonna be days that we're gonna think like, what am I doing with my life? But the power and the knowledge of the gospel fuels us and pushes us onward and helps us live to glorify God. Sin is real, so don't, don't deny it. But you're free and so you don't have to live Guilty. We get to work. We get to choose how we direct our lives, how we direct our lives, and what we're going to glorify with our lives and with our body. Jesus gives us the knowledge and the power to not be controlled by sin. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the book of Romans. Thank you for the reminder it is that we are anchored in the gospel, Lord. We are anchored in the truth that we're lost, we're full of sin, and we're separated from you. We're headed toward death. Lord, you you love us so much in spite of that, though. You sent your son, Jesus. Jesus came and gave his life on the cross and was a perfect sacrifice, Lord. And by putting our faith and our trust in his sacrifice, by trusting and putting faith that he paid the price, Lord, we can have a relationship with him and ultimately a relationship with you. That gap is closed. That relationship is restored. God, we can live the rest of our lives wanting to glorify you, wanting to honor you, wanting to run after you, wanting to chase after you, wanting to become like you. God, help us be a church of individuals, of families, of people who just want to run after you. God, help us to be motivated by that. We wanna be a movement of people finding their way back to God. And so that means every day we wanna take steps to be more and more like you. Lord, there might be days we take steps backwards, but we wanna be motivated and power to take steps forward and to choose to glorify you and live for you. Lord, help us to trust you, help us to live empowered and help us to anchor our lives in the gospel and in your truth so that we are wholeheartedly pushed forward toward maturity, toward dependence on you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.